Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening to the listeners of the Good Anime Palette Podcast. Welcome back, welcome all. We are on episode 66 of uh, of the GAP. Uh, if you hear there's going to be some inconsistencies in audio quality or occasional banging on the windows, it's because Hong Kong has been hit with a uh, Category 10 typhoon. Uh, for all the U.S. listeners, it's I guess like a, a super hurricane of sorts. Uh, I don't actually know the conversion rates in terms of typhoons and hurricanes. Uh, let's just say the weather is shit. Uh, it always seems to be that whenever I introduce episodes, it always rains. Um, and also, of course, whenever I do record the intro, uh, it always has uh, Jason. Uh, unfortunately, this time not sitting side by side by me, uh, but sitting about maybe five minutes away uh, in his apartment. <laughs> How are you doing over there, buddy? Uh, we need to blame uh, Saola. That's who we need to blame, really. It's not just Saola, actually. There's Saola, there's Haikoi, there's a, there's a third typhoon as well that's on its way. But that one gets kind of like uh, weakened by the time it hits, I think, the Philippines or Taiwan. So... We have the main Saula, that's the main blame, uh, but there's also other ones there at play that uh, are kind of ruining uh, the um, the vibes in Hong Kong. First Typhoon 10 since 2018. and uh, Yeah, that one was um, Typhoon Man Cut. That one was actually really dude, bad. Dude, that was I was fucked. there for that one. That was so bad. Like, I'm not saying yeah. that this Typhoon 10 is is like, oh, it's it's a pussy Typhoon 10, because I do think it's kind of a lot of the more rural Hong Kong areas really do get a lot of floods and stuff like that. So we ain't no joke, even if, let's it's say... The, the uh, pla- it's the coastal areas that get really, really fucked, right? I think there was like parts of like northern Hong Kong, which is right uh, along the China Sea, um, where uh, it, it the, the, the towns are flooded. It's, it's, it's real bad over there. We're fortunate that um, our area is um, relatively flood-free, um, but you know, occasional heavy rain and uh, you know, loud wind banging the windows. That those are the things that you know we deal with. So we're blessed. Um, yeah, the vibes are okay over here. But um, it was overall, so quiet um, yeah. yesterday, like last night in the middle of the night, and that's yeah, when we you were in know. the eye of the storm yesterday. Yeah, that was. That's when you know it's scary to me, like when it's dead silent. But yeah, yeah. So. Um, yeah, I mean, if you're in Hong Kong, uh, of course, this is going to be coming out, you know, a few days after uh, the recording, which means hopefully the typhoon has gone by already. Um, but, uh, you know, to all those who have been affected, hopefully you all stay safe. you all be fine. Um, I think there's actually a couple of the hurricanes happening around the world, too. So, um, yeah, um, all listeners of GAP uh, and your loved ones and your brethren and all that, uh, stay safe. Stay safe, yeah. And uh, we we got to do what uh, we got to do, which is deliver you the best in anime and manga. So essentially, minus the maybe stuttering audio issues or whatnot, we won't know until uh, we try to fi- try our best to fix it at post. We are here to talk about weeb shit, basically, aren't we? Not, not necessarily weeb shit, but a corporation within weeb shit. Yeah. Yeah. True. Okay. Yeah, so uh, yeah. we are deciding to forego the news as well as the reading watching section and to go knee deep, balls deep, if you will, into our main discussion topic, which this time around is a studio analysis. We haven't done a lot of those lately, uh, especially because uh, we're still trying to figure things out. But this time around, we got a lot to talk about and we are focusing on Cloverworks. 
Studio Clover yeah, it's works. It's kind of hard to um, you know consistently do studio analyses just because at some point we're going to be running out of studio to talk about. But at the same time, given the sort of you know clout and uh, work that uh, the the this particular studio has uh, has has picked up, I think it's it, it'd be remiss of us to to have a chat about it. Um, so yeah, the the studio of focus, if you haven't seen the title of this episode, is Cloverworks. So Cloverworks has been real busy, real hot the presses with a bunch of works over the last couple of years. Most recently, a co-production with um, you know with with studio for Spy Family or Spy X Family, however you had to romanize it. Um, but of course, you know it's not just a studio that just does Spy X Family. Uh, they also have worked on a bunch of other stuff before. And believe it or not, whilst you might have seen the name Cloverworks around for a while, uh, its history is actually relatively short, um, simply because the fact that uh, there was an existing subsidiary um, of another studio that uh, existed beforehand. So Cloverworks is actually only five years old. Um, So what we're going to do is basically go over uh, the recent history, uh, the foundations of Cloverworks, what happened beforehand, uh, before they got incepted, and uh, you know what they're doing now and potentially doing in the future, as well as giving our two cents in terms of how we feel about the studio, how we feel about the direction that the teams are going into, and also just you know talking about some good old anime. We've watched a bunch of stuff from Cloverworks. Um, I think it's actually kind of an even split in terms of like half of the stuff Jason's watched, half of the other stuff I've watched. So we should be able to get get a, a pretty good comprehensive overview of um, the productions that come from the studio. Yeah, and I do think something that Cloverworks is, in the topic of discussion at least, is some of its kind of unique, whether it is called business business decisions or rebranding and stuff like that, uh, co-production and things like that are kind of topics of discussion that I think we can kind of at least highlight a bit. Maybe we can go a bit into it, but... Mainly, it is focused on Cloverworks' anime catalog. So, Will, uh, do you want me to go into its history a bit, or do you, do, do you want to do the honors? Well, let's just like spend like five, ten minutes talking about the, the general backstory of Cloverworks, you know, where it originally came from, you know, when they got founded, where they're based, and I guess, you know, some other background accounting bullshit that we need to talk about for um for for any studio really yeah okay no problem so cloverworks incorporated so that's the one of the things we always call studio cloverworks or cloverworks but they're technically called cloverworks incorporated it was originally named koenji studios which was a subsidiary of sony music entertainment and also which is part of one of the biggest anime production firms aniplex when you you know watch a lot of shows you probably have seen that logo, Aniplex. And obviously the parent company, as we said, with Sony Music Entertainment is the Sony Group Corporation. What I found that was pretty interesting was obviously uh, Sony owns Funimation slash Crunchyroll, basically Crunchyroll now. So there is this kind of melding, merging, co-opting, rebranding thing that is quite unique within Cloverworks. So Koenji is basically... uh, what I googled was a district of Tokyo in the Suginami ward, which is west of Shinjuku, which is kind of well known to be kind of a lot of old temples are in that district. And Cloverworks then was rebranded, founded in on October 1st, 2018. However, one thing that I found was pretty interesting was 
they announced that they would rebrand themselves from A1 Pictures, CoNG Studios, as Cloverworks on April 1st, 2018. So April Fool's. So I don't know if you think uh, at the time or I thought. No, it, it it's because a- April 1st is A1. Holy fuck. I just that, put, that's why it was announced that day. Oh my god, I just put that together. Holy shit. Well, uh my ignorance aside, uh it was offi- I don't know, I'm also just speculating. I have no fucking clue, but I mean it's it's too coincidental. Dude, that sounds you know I mean? actually is like the perfect marketing branding type thing. So, Cloverworks technically now is not part of Koenji Studios and they have a unique brand identity which is different than let's say, you know, uh, a Sagaya studio, which is kind of a basically a subsidiary of A1 Pictures. So it's kind of like separate, but not really. Also, it is good to know that Cloverworks is still a subsidiary of Aniplex, even though they kind of have their own unique brand identity. Their studio is based in Suginami, Tokyo, which is the same place as Koenji Studios because it's just a rebranding. Their total equity is 100 million yen. And as of which is yeah that that's that's not really a whole lot of money. Yep. And as of February 2023, the number of employees headcount is 153. So during this time, uh, when it changed from A1 Pictures to CloverWorks after the rebranding, there were four shows that were essentially kind of in limbo or had to change credits, which was Slow Start. Darling in the Franks, Persona 5, the animation, and Ace Attorney Season 2. For Slow Start, the credits were changed after the original run, and Darling in the Franks changed midway, which I thought was also pretty interesting as well. So other than that, that is just basically the brief regurgitation of the history of Cloverworks. So um, now that the past is out of the way, let's talk about the present. Well, before we go into that, like what you'll notice as well in terms of the total equity, that's a number that actually kind of just is the same across the board with other studios too, um, especially if they're subsidiaries within a bigger corporation. So total equity in this sense really doesn't mean a whole lot, um, especially when you try and factor in uh, the amount of employees they have at 153 people. Um yeah, 100 million yen is is really not a whole lot of money to be running a business. And and that's essentially, you know, what um, you know, people sort of maybe may may or may not know in terms of what equity really means here. Um because equity in itself is like encompasses uh certain things that you know, fall within um the ownership of assets. But however, in this sense, it's not just that you know Cloverworks wholly owns any assets. That also comes with liabilities too. So assets in this sense would come into like um, rent, uh, building infrastructure, uh, equipment, especially when it comes to actually making anime because you need a fuck ton of equipment for that. But those things are also like were they fully bought out by Cloverworks? Were these loaned or rented out um, from uh, A1 or from Aniplex? Uh, or would they be you know, basically a down payment and that they'd be paid back over time? So um, that's essentially, you know, if you're looking into purely accounting numbers, equity in this sense is assets without the liabilities. So it, it's hard to really gauge how much money Cloverworks actually makes because, you know, most studios don't really post, the, you know, their, their their revenues. And even then, revenue doesn't mean profitability. So, um, 
yeah. I had to throw that out there just in case because people might think that you know these are studios, especially when you start putting out numbers in terms of like how much money they have, especially when it comes to equity. That doesn't actually represent a whole lot of shit. Um, so whoever put that up there on Wikipedia, uh, I guess thank you, but it really doesn't offer a whole lot of information in Clifferworks. Right. I also think another thing that was pretty interesting is usually when you hear a lot of people kind of branching off and doing their own animation studio or founding their own animation studio is that they 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 might imply that a certain working relationship or professional relationship was either soured or has altered but in cloverworks case it still remains a subsidiary of aniplex so that implies at least to me because obviously i don't know any cloverworks employees we never interviewed any of them it implies that at least this kind of rebranding was at least not at least on face value not one of hostility or sourness from you know working together they still work together no, intricately it, it, it's it's purely a business decision by aniplex exactly that's all it is yeah like in, in the end it's like it's it, there there probably will be some like sourness and some some bad taste because people like you know whenever there's a restructuring or whenever there is like a hostile takeover of any company there's always going to be somebody that gets left out it doesn't seem like cloverworks has a whole lot in the news in terms of discontent and whatnot but I mean, like we you can never say, know. oh yeah, no Japanese things are fine, but, like, but, but really, out, right? this is this is just Jason. Let me finish. Uh, this is just purely a business decision that was done. Sorry, by my bad, my bad. That's it. Yeah, apologies because uh, because we're not face to face. We it's hard to sometimes gauge when uh, I interrupt or interject. Will so my bad on that. Well, yeah, of course. If I'm still speaking, well. then and then you start speaking, then of course you're interrupting me. My bad. Sorry. All right, so let me ask you, Will, what does kind of Cloverwork mean to you as an anime viewer? Kind of like your take on the situation with this studio. I mean, they're a good studio, but it's also worth noting that in terms of how good of a studio they really are, we're only looking at a really small sample size, especially since they've only been incorporated since 2018. Yet it still feels like Cloverworks has been around for forever. Uh, I guess that just serves how short term our memory is. Um, but I think in terms of like the stuff that I like and I remember from Cloverworks, most of them have only really existed in the last three years. Like in the early years of Cloverworks, including the, the time before they did the rebrand, uh, yeah, not not a whole lot. Um, this is not to say that I don't care about Cloverworks. It's just in the end, like it's such a short span of history. Uh, for such a for, for 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 a studio that has you know its name plastered on some of the biggest properties at the moment, um, on one hand, I, I I like the work they do, but on the other, it's it's hard for me to really put it up against you know the big names in the anime industry, you know like your Kyoto Animations, your 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 Mappas to an, to to an extent like your Sunrises and your 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 Madhouses, just because they're such a young studio. Yeah, absolutely. And I really do think, though, a lot of the catalog that Cloverworks has produced at least has caught my attention for sure. I really do think that a lot of their shows are like some of my most recent like nines, I guess. Right. Uh, But obviously every studio, every production always has its flaws. And of course, Cloverworks has those as well, which we will get into. Um, But for me personally, I think Cloverworks 
their style with some of their properties are quite unique in terms of using a lot of color, beautiful animation. Yes, that sounds very much like studios like KyoAni and whatnot. But to me, uh, there is a lot more of, when I think of things like Horimiya, even Wonder Egg, Promise Neverland, Dress Up Darling, Akebi Sailor Uniform, like these shows are very much ingrained into me of just how vibrant and saturated the color is, along with obviously very beautiful animation. So I always look forward to Clover Works, and their production at least has always been very good, in my opinion. So I'm, the writing, I mean, you though, also did mm, say they've dropped, they've dropped a bunch of eggs. I don't know if they're always good. Well, yeah. I mean, uh, there are some I didn't mention either, right? So, yeah. I, mean, I also you think can't, you that, can't be throwing uh, out superlatives. You've yeah. already been bashing them from the beginning, you know. That's fair. That's fair. I mean, just I, but I do like the the studio a lot, and when I hear that name, it definitely will get my attention, even if I don't know what they are adapting or creating, for sure. And I can always expect it to be mostly pretty. That's what I would yeah. say. At least. The other thing you can expect from them as well is that they're always going to be super busy. Um, and, and this is probably why, like, even though like we like mentioned that they have a really, really short existence in terms of being an anime studio, they they just seem to be always be in the headlines. Whether it's you know new uh, updates on Anime News Network or if there's a trailer that's been released and whatnot, and it's because the fact that their release schedule is pretty insane especially when they have 150 members uh well this is uh as of february earlier this year so they could have more people who knows um but uh yeah i think we when we did our retrospective of um the previous anime year that uh, cloverworks was pretty much at the top of the list when it comes to you know consistently producing stuff every season if not every other season and even within those seasons they might have multi-productions so they may be working on two or three things at the same time uh at any given moment yeah um i kind of went through their catalog and noticed at least uh recently their winter seasons uh specifically winter 2021 and 2022 have three uh airing animes with fall 2018 having four so, I mean, you could say that production pipelines and everything could have done at, been done at different times, but they are a busy studio, as Will uh, mentioned. So, they uh, definitely make an impact and splash every once in a while. So, I think their impact is very much recently uh, in the zeitgeist, for sure, like past couple of years since their inception. Yep. Now, of course, given the fact that they work on so many uh, products every uh every anime season it'd be um it'd be naive of us to think that you know oh they're just working hard all the time and they're just you know pumping out works they're really dedicated to the job uh that's not always the case um in in terms of uh studios doing co-productions cloverworks is actually quite high up on the list in terms of the amount of series they've worked on for uh you know like with 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 a um a studio that's working in tandem with them as part of a co-production team um, most recently, Spike's family. That one was um, a massive co-production between Cloverworks and Wood Studio, but that's not the only one that they've worked on in a co-production capacity. Is that right, Jason? Yeah. So they also did Fairy Tale, which is essentially season nine or the final season, which is co-produced with A One Pictures and Studio Bridge. But probably they're also 
infamously or famously known for co-producing with Studio Trigger for Darling in the Franks. And uh, I, I mean, obviously, I am sure everyone can find examples of studios collaborating, co-producing productions since, you know, way back, even before Darling in the Franks. But I think Darling in the Franks was one of the first examples that I can kind of remember in recent memory where I was like, it's co-produced? Like, that doesn't... Wait, you can do that? I mean, obviously you can, but I just remembered that Darling in the Franks, it just was one of the first clear examples of me of two relatively well-known studios collaborating. So I don't take that as you will. That's the thing, right? Like, when you say it's two studios collaborating, was it really two studios collaborating um i mean because in the end remember that it was actually a studio change right it was still technically under a1 like through cloverworks but then afterwards when they branched off is it really a co-production it, it's it, it's a real sort of a gray area kind of thing right because yes you know if we're talking about it now then yes like you see a, a1 and a cloverworks working together then sure, you could say that it would be a co-production. But given the fact that at least in the early years, it was still separating itself as a, as a independent identity from A1, and then only for the credits to change during production, it, it it's it's hard to really see how much co-producing there really was. But you know, this is all stuff that we got off Wikipedia, and now I'm just rambling based on what my observation is. So for all intents and purposes. We'll just count it as a co-production. Well, yeah. I mean, one of the things about co-producing is who knows if it's 50-50 or how the responsibilities are split, right? I'm sure you can find speculations or interviews where they clarify that point. But I understand Will's point of, well, Studio Trigger with Darling and the Franks, that was when uh, Cloverworks was basically rebranding and founded. Then fairy tale is still technically co-produced with a1 picture so i would i would agree with your assessment that spike's family which is co-produced with wit studios kind of like like for realsies you know what i mean so like that one that one seems to be the most clear cut definitely yeah, that one is like legitimately it, it's it, it came out like three four years after they became independent i would say that you know despite having the same business umbrella uh that this is uh purely a co-production uh with a solely like run independent studio of Cloverworks um, in terms of the production, in terms of like the, the creativity side, not the business side. Um, but yeah, um, I, I mean, the other thing as well is uh, we, we can go on about this on, on, like a, on a BP or even like an analysis of, of the scene itself as well. But when you have two studios or even three studios on there, um, you're also not factoring in potentially other sort of like independent studios or you know, third-party studios that have been brought in, uh, like outsourced workers that are working on like in-between uh, animations or key animations. So again, it's are they really the only ones who co-produced it, or are there other ones that just didn't get credited or like are l- much lower down on the credit list? Uh, who knows? But um, you know, we don't want to get super pedantic. Let's just say that uh, for for a while, if you ever see co-productions. Um, and Cloverworks is on there, then best believe that it's it should be pretty decent work, and uh, you know they're putting their 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 main team on the main job. Um, so 
the other thing about uh, Cloverworks as well, which I think Jason's kind of identified as well, is um, they're, they're not necessarily a studio that only works on like one specific thing. They do kind of dabble into working on co-productions, working on uh, long-standing series, especially when, you know, when, when, you're, when you're factoring in um, fairy tale. But the other thing that they've also dabbled into are uh, anime originals, uh, which some have hit and some haven't really hit. Um, I mean, what are your thoughts on the, the originals that uh, Cloverworks has put out, Jason? So, of, you know, Cloverworks's or anime originals, I think, in my opinion, they mostly have not fared very well. Uh, uh, the four examples that I can kind of throw out there is obviously Darling in the Franks. Now, you could say that it's technically co-produced with Studio Trigger. Who knows where the split is in terms of writing and all that stuff, fine. I'll leave that to you, uh, listeners. But Tokyo 24th Ward, Wonder Egg Priority, and, of course, Infamous, Promised Neverland Season 2, are technically an all anime originals with Season 2 being based on the manga, but Season 2 is an anime original. And uh, I have to say, minus... Uh, maybe Wonder Egg Priority Season 1, so not the finale. Uh, they've all been not great. Uh, yeah, I think we need to clarify, though, that Promise Neverland Season 2 is not actually an anime original. Uh, it has an original story, story but that right. doesn't make it an anime original. Oh, yeah, sorry. That is that's that is fair. That is fair. It's like anime original content, I guess. Because then basically then that means that Anything that's a filler is technically like an anime original, which is not the case. True. Then in that case, like fully fledged IPs would be Wonder Egg Priority and Tokyo 24th Ward. Now, Will and I uh, both really like Wonder Egg Priority a lot. Uh, well, yeah, let's be specific here. Mm-hmm. The original yes. main series. Yes. But when it comes to the finale, on the other hand, oof. I mean... it the most generous, most charitable thing I can say about the finale is there were some good moments, I suppose, and it was nice to see the gang back together, but man, holy shit. Yeah. I, I think, I think like, the, the, the thing that I can say in defense of Wonder Egg Priority and Cloverworks is, and, and again, this is also, you know, the product of their own downfall, too. Um, they're just overworked, dude. Like, when when you think about how many productions they have per year, sometimes even per season, right? They're consistently churning out anywhere from three to five products every single year. Some like some seasons have two, maybe even three things that are running at the same time, whether or not it is a solo production or a co-production. And I think what happened then is, given the fact that yes, they do have you know over 150 uh, employees at the company, that doesn't mean that all 150 employees are going to be able to work to the max and be able to consistently churn out good products. And so what I think happened was, you know, with the first, the main curve of Wonder Egg Priority coming out, they just kind of ran out of time. And with the hype that was building around the series, because Jason and I both agree, it is a really, really good first curve. But then when you have a lot of people clamoring about it, when the, when the atmosphere is basically saying this is like the next greatest anime original, you got to deliver. And I think that, you know, whether it came down to not having enough you know staff working on the production, the writers just kind of running out of ideas in terms of how to end the series, um, those things 
don't get helped with you know the lack of resources and the lack of time. Time being the most important resource here, actually. Yeah. And uh, let's see, 2022, they had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven productions. Yeah, so, they had, yeah. so like, right after Wonder Egg, they also then released Shadow's House. And after that, they had Tokyo Tokyo Fourth Ward, My Dress Up Darling, a KB Sailor Uniform. And then the big boy, the big girl here, Spike's family, followed by In the Heart of Kunoichi Subaki, Season 2 of Shadow's House, Bochi the Rock. Like, the, the list goes on, right? Like they're, they're constantly working on stuff. So then you really have to think about how much manpower or women power they can actually divide when, within the studio to be able to dedicate to actually finishing off one direct priority. Considering that all the all the stuff that we listed there just now, like Akebi, Dress Up Darling and all that, uh, Spike's Family, those are all existing properties. And those are the ones that unfortunately make you more money because it's kind of hard to make money with anime originals. Yeah, and... Uh... I think Wonder Egg Priority, in terms of how it all went down, was very unfortunate. You, I guess we could kind of dig around to figure out the true kind of culprit in all this, but usually it's a culmination of different factors. But whenever it is not an original work and it's usually adapted, it is fairly safe to say that the general quality and the reception has been rather positive. You can say that partially has been done through the ip that it's adapted from but generally i would say it's more hits than misses and uh yeah 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 and, and, and to sort of further the point in terms of the quality between anime originals and productions of existing properties it's not to say that you know that you're always bound to have like bad quality shit when you're doing a co-production or when you're doing a, an anime original it's just the fact that there are a lot more like business owners there's a lot more like investors people who are actually involved in this production cycle whereas if you're working on an anime original it's a solely owned ip you call the shots but at the same time you're also at the whim of a production studio being like hey why aren't you dedicating enough people working on our stuff we're ones actually giving you money here and so therefore the value of the ip um, that exists for existing uh, products will unfortunately outweigh the originals they're working on so i think that's just basically it like uh, when it comes to the, the the productions they've worked on for existing properties yeah generally they do do they do rather well and so i think when it comes to like the sort of um list of things that were clear duds within cloverworks's catalog you know especially when you're talking about 20, uh, tokyo 24th ward because um, that was an original but that one sucked um it, it was nothing like uh, Cloverworks, uh, like uh, One Direct Priority, it, it just was not good from beginning to end. Um, Darling in the Franks, I think, you know, it still gets memed on. There's still, of course, like a hardcore group of people that, you know, would, you know, vouch for Darling in the Franks, but I think it's more sort of like in the, the, the zeitgeist of meme culture as opposed to anime culture, but, you know, there's still a space for it to exist in anime. Um, Promise Neverland Season 2, that one was just a crock of shit, um, considering that they really could. This that's this is something that I kind of want to discuss with you more later on uh, in one of our upcoming episodes. Um, it, it, it's just pressure, right? Like in the end, like you want to consistently put out a good product, but when your existing property doesn't have enough manga chapters to adapt, or like if you do adapt it and you get caught up, then the only thing you really have is to hopefully get the blessings of the original manga creator and create an original story and hope it lands. And um, land it did not for Primal Neverland 2. Yeah. I mean, that being said, 
I do think that Wonder Egg priority is extremely good. Again, clarifying if you discount the finale movie, although it's kind of hard because it kind of ended like season one ended on uh, the biggest cliffhanger ever. So, I mean, Will, I think both of us have the opinion. I don't want to speak for you, but I, I have the opinion that just take the cliffhanger ending and don't watch the finale movie. Oh, I was gonna. I was gonna absolutely wholeheartedly agree with you. If you just watch the original Kerr of Wonder Egg Priority and pretend that the finale never existed, you would be fine. I mean, yeah, nobody really likes cliffhanger endings, but you also don't want to have your hopes and dreams shattered by something that is quite clearly a subpar product. You know, like the credit where credits due. Wonder Egg Priority definitely got our attention for a whole season of anime. Um, and that's why it hurts when then we had to watch the finale and just be like, what the fuck were we doing? Why why do we have to wait so long for this only to be like severely disappointed? Yeah. Yeah. The movie doesn't exist. It does, but it doesn't. Yeah. So uh, yeah. let's spend the – well, let's – do you want to spend the rest of our time talking about the anime catalog and all of the shows? Yeah, for sure. I think we, we definitely want to go over, like, what – you know, basically, like, piece by piece in terms of – because you've watched a lot of stuff from Cloverworks, as have I. Um, before we go into that, um, you know, as expected with Cloverworks, there is a lot of stuff that's, uh, you know, on their docket when it comes to future releases. So um, season two – Spikes Family is coming out in fall 2023. Uh, they also just released a movie not too long ago. So, you know, they're still really, really busy. Uh, and uh, yeah, they're also picking up uh, Black Butler. Um, that one is uh, going to be coming out next year. Black uh, Black Butler Season 4 uh, will be coming out in 2024. I'll be honest. Uh, and then a few other things. Super like surprise. Elusive Samurai, Sorry. The Windbreaker. Jason, let me finish. Um, yeah. So there's, there's quite a lot of things that Cloverworks is still working on. So... Don't you guys worry that they're still going to be working full steam ahead on other productions. Yeah, uh, I was really surprised by uh, Black Butler Season 4. And uh, The Elusive Samurai is, I think, a Shonen Jump series, and it has received a lot of attention. I think Windbreaker, uh, to what my knowledge is, I do have the first volume so I might take a look at it, take a gander as well as with Elusive Samurai and see what's it all about. But yeah, season four uh, of Black Butler, I think that's a pretty big deal, to be honest. It's only announced for 2024, so nothing else that is concrete. But Elusive Samurai, this Windbreaker... Is, this is my take on it. it, it it's not necessarily the most surprising um, because it was originally done by A1. Right. Okay. Yeah, and 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 guess what's coming out? You know, next year with a one, only the most hyped manhwa turned into anime solo leveling. So that's probably why they're not working on Black Butler anymore. Yeah, that's fair. Oh, actually, no. The most important thing is because they got Hypnosis Mike Division Rap Battle Rhyme Anima Plus coming out in October twenty twenty three. That's why they're they're really busy with the Hypnosis Mike. Yeah, the multimedia projects. It's got to fly, man. It's got to soar. Yeah. Oh, and of course, uh, Fate Strange Fake. Yeah, so so A1 are are busy with a bunch of shit themselves. Will, what is that vampire boy band one? Visual uh, dude, Prison. Oh, visual what? Prison. Yeah, Visual Prison. Dude, That's it. Oh, wow, good. That good, was good, the good call. biggest, really like, dude, 
It's so dumb. I love it. It's so bad, but so good. It's it's like you you all you need really is to watch one, maybe two episodes, and like you're good. Not in the sense that like oh this is absolutely terrible. I'm leaving it alone. Uh, it's more the yeah this is terrible, but like those those forty minutes that I spent watching two episodes of Visual Prism. Yeah, no, I'm I'm not giving that back. I, I I thoroughly enjoyed watching it. I I just didn't want to spend more time watching anymore. As right, you probably shouldn't spend more time on it past like episode two. Yeah, exactly. So uh, let's go into some of Cloverworks' most prominent or not so prominent IPs and anime productions, starting with Slow Start. So, Slow Start uh, was credited after its original run, but we're still going to count it. And I watched Slow Start uh, based on the four-panel manga by Yuiko Tokumi. The storyline is just basically, you like schoolgirl slice of life that are mixed in with some sort of comedy, you got Slow Start. I watched it a while back, actually. And uh, I... Thought it was an okay seven. Yeah, how, oh wait, how 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 long back did you watch it? Because I remember when we were watching that season where like it was um, it was a uh, slow loop. Okay, we see uniform and uh, my dress up darling. That season, I think that was January twenty twenty two. So that would have been winter of last year. Um, no winter, yeah, winter of last year. Um, and then I mentioned I was looking on like the catalogs. Oh, there's a slow loop thing, and I think either you had started watching it then, or you might have started watching it before then. Uh, let me verify when I watched it, but I did binge it in its entirety. Let's see history. history. Yeah, I, I I was surprised that you were watching it, but then again, it was also because of the fact that that particular season of anime was really just droll. There wasn't a whole lot of shit going on. Um, we 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 did a whole analysis, uh, I guess, like a review of that particular season. We were like in a, in agreement that um. Yeah, there wasn't a whole lot of shining lights uh, for that particular anime season. Oh. And the, that, that might be why you decided to pick up Slow Start. March 22nd, 2022. Yep, so that's around the time when uh, Slow Loop and the KBC Uniform, they were airing. Yep. Uh, Slow Start, it was all right. It's I. It's not mid, but it's close to it. I gave it a 7 out of 10. Nothing much to really say about it, really. It was a good stopgap. Slow loop is better technically, if you go by the slow. No, slow loop is way better. We're talking about fly fishing based on a seinen manga. That dude, that was that shit was lit. That nah, it wasn't. It wasn't that lit, but it, it, it was. was it was still enjoyable. It was good. Uh, but we'll we'll go into some other stuff first. Like we're not here to talk about slow loop. We're here to talk about slow start. Um. So yeah, this 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 anime came out quite a while ago. Uh, I believe in uh, winter twenty eighteen. Um. But was there anything memorable or anything that is like, yo, this this is like the the, the true start of Cloverworks, or do you feel that no, nah, they're they're still some ways away before like actually defining themselves as an independent studio of Aniplex? You're, thank God, we are not meeting face to face because you'll probably punch me through the microphone. I guess, uh, slow start was kind of amalgamation of. Hey, it looks kind of like Azumanga Dayo. It looks kind of like Lucky Star. It was kind of like Cloverworks kind of getting their footing, the start, if you will. But it wasn't the best start, if you will. It was all right. 
I don't think the right. comedy well, then, really hits. I don't think yeah, the character design I mean, is it, super it's, good. It, it, it's a slice of life comedy, right? Yeah, I, 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 I just think it's a good one of those, but it's not a great one of those. I think like playing the background while you're doing something else, kind of series. Absolutely, I think they do have some funny moments, but to be honest, I don't remember much of it. So that I guess tells you enough, really. Right. Well, we'll go from one of the on least memorable list, series. So. Yeah. We'll we'll go from one of the least memorable series of Slow Start to probably one of the most memorable, uh, but not necessarily for anime reasons, but more sort of like lewd meme reasons darling in the franks the original word that we mentioned was a co-production between a1 and uh trigger um so again a1 through the clover works when was the handoff that doesn't really matter um but this one was a full double cur um airing just a week after slow start january 13 2018 running for about six months uh directed by atsushi nishigori um now, I personally haven't watched Darling in the Franks, but through osmosis, I know a whole lot about it, mostly for the memes. Um, you've watched it, though, right? Yes, I have. And so I guess, you know, in terms of, you know, a review or like the two cents on the series, uh, your words will mean a whole lot more than mine because I really don't have a lot to say other than um, this shit looks weird as fuck and I don't know why anybody would get into it. Okay, so you have to understand my love for Studio Trigger, which is extremely apparent from the get-go if you have kept up with the podcast. So when Darling in the Franks was announced and it looked kind of like a mech thing, so it reminded me of, hey, it's kind of like Gurren Lagann, but not really. Gurren Lagann being one of, if not the most top anime series of all time for me. So I was hot on the heels anticipating it, and I was ready to fall in love with it. So I think Little Witch Academia was around that time. I need to double check. Yeah, so it was almost a year prior, and Little Witch Academia was extremely well-received by me, and I think in general by a lot of people as a 7.81 on my anime list. So I was ready to love it. And I was like, two curse? Fuck yeah, let's go. Then... it. Then I watched it, and uh, I don't know exactly how I feel about it to this day because it's the biggest mixed bag and conflicted feelings probably in a long while. To this day, I still don't know what to do about it. I don't think it's a very good show, to be very honest, but there's a lot of bits and pieces, usually like the meme stuff, obviously Zero Two kind of being the waifu, there is technically another female character, Ichigo, that a lot of people would fawn over as well. And they kind of go head to head in terms of the love triangle. But man, the story does go places, I'll tell you that. And uh, when I said it goes places, it goes galaxies. How about that? I don't, I don't even think it's a story that people care about, right? People care about the science behind it. Oh, you know? yeah. They want to see. You like they want to see the friction. Do you like botany? They want to see the. They, they want to see pure inertia. That's what they want. You know, really grab inertia by the hips mm. and thrust mm. with all the friction mm-hmm. that you have to start up your mech. Mm-hmm. That, that that's basically all people really know about Darling in the Franks. Like we we like, there's no sugarcoating it. Like the only reason why. Many, many people know or even like Darling the Franks is because of 
that particular aspect of the series. I'll be honest, when I first saw the first episode where they introduced that dynamic between, I guess, the two co-pilots, I uh, I was very, very uncomfortable. I have seen way more, you know, worst, uncomfortable stuff, technically, I guess, on the Pantheon of stuff. But I was just, I was just like, just wasn't, it just wasn't vibing with me. I was just like... I feel dirty watching this. I don't. I'd rather watch something more R-rated in 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 nudity and sexuality, I guess. But this one was yeah. yeah. So, so but when you were watching it, though, right? Like, did you ever get the feeling that this is a series, like at least from the production side, that it was like very self-aware and being like, yeah, I know this is a parody on like all mechs and uh, you know those kinds of series we're just doing it because you know for the lols or were they like no this is serious this is how you power these mechs and uh it, it's it's integral to the the way that uh, the this, this the story works i am convinced that the writers are genuine in thinking that this is a commentary this is meta analysis because technically you do have evidence of that with studio trigger and kill a kill right but on the other that's true yeah but on the other hand when i watched it my personal opinion my gut reaction was get the fuck out this is embarrassing what is this bullshit like it's not even subtle it's in your face about how the pilots interact with each other and it's just it really left a sour taste in literally everyone's mouth from the get go and then you think they do the Gurren Lagann thing of you think the story is over, but it keeps progressing. And usually with Gurren Lagann's case or Kill a Kill's case, they really amp up the sheer absurdity and scale. Whereas I would argue that in Darling and the Franks, they only amp up the scale, but they don't amp up everything else. So it gets... Yeah, no, I think, as you mentioned with Kill a Kill and with Gurren Lagann, yeah, there's a lot of ridiculous, absurd shit that happens in those series, but they balance it out with good story, good character development, and, and let's be real, like, the action scenes in Gurren Lagann and Kill a Kill were fan-fucking-tastic, but from what you're saying with Darling the Franks, it seems that they kind of go like balls to the wall, high octane on one particular aspect, which is you know driving your pelvis into your co-pilot to be able to pilot this shit, um, but not really giving up a whole lot of substance for anything else. Yes. Uh, my kind of summarizing thoughts is, at the end of the day, in my humble opinion, Darling and the Franks is a love story through and through. The problem with any love story, unfortunately, <laughs> is when you get a love story. I, I kind of feel like, oh, if I'm the writer, I want to make a, a, a love story that spans the test of time. Okay, great. Uh, I mean, dude, visually, visually, there's a whole lot of loving going on uh, in that series. Uh, I would argue no, even though— You know what I mean by I, I, I know what you mean, but I would argue it actually does it a disservice. But look— it tries to be a mech part of Gurren but it doesn't land. It tries to do absurd sexual innuendos and whatnot, similar to Kill a Kill, but not as blatant. And it doesn't tie it all together. It's like they grabbed those two properties and Little Witch Academia, threw it in a pot, stirred it up, add in like a, a heart or two, like not, not like actual heart, because they thought that that's what love is. 
and then out came Darling in the Franks. Would you consider it a, an edgy series? I would say I am on the edge of appreciating it as a series worth pursuing. Yeah, it seems like they really push like certain narratives to the point where it's just like it gets a little bit excessive. It gets a bit too much for people to really like take it seriously. Yeah, and if I you, couldn't take it seriously, of how you're saying it, it's like you're, you're you're just watching this like this 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 trash heap of a fire and just being like, oh, someone just put it out. Like there, there's there's too much going on here right now. Y'all are out of control. I think the writer when it when they, it's all laid out all 24 episodes towards the end i would argue like past i guess the big twist i'm not going to say what it is but past that point it kind of settles down into what it really is and i think a lot of people got betrayed because when you kind of realize in my opinion it's a love story then they would probably be like oh, fuck, then what the fuck did I just waste my time watching the past, you know, X amount of episodes, XX, if you will. Uh, and it's just a big bummer because it's such a mess, honestly, really badly. Right. Well, two important questions. Did you finish it? And if you did, what was the score that you gave it? Seven. So you actually finished all 24 episodes, the double curve of Darling in the Franks. I didn't log it, if you could believe me when I say that. But you definitely did finish it. 100%. Right. Seven's not a bad score. I mean, to be fair, it it correlates with the average rating it gets on my anime list. It's not like a absolutely like detestable, like hated series, but I think most people remember it for the wrong reasons. And so... I want to give it, it a it, six. It, 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 yeah. I want to give it a six, if I'm being very honest. But so much of the production the music and everything is still really, really good. So I can't, in my mind, give it a six, but my God, it's like you technically, it's like when you do an exam, right? Oh, you technically didn't pass. You got a, you got a 49 out of a hundred. You need a 50 to get a D, but I am just going to give you a D. But we all know. Wow, it gets it, it gets a sympathy seven from you. Oh, a hundred percent. In fact, the fact that it couldn't stick the landing or even close to it, despite a lot of what I think is talented people and just the fervor around Studio Trigger at that time, because Cloverworks is still kind of in his infancy. I I was super betrayed to the point where at some point I was like, I'm not going to watch a single Clo Trigger show until I know for a fact it's good. Uh, okay. Well, I guess that wraps up that uh, wraps up that discussion on Darling the Franks. <laughs> so, moving on from sentimental studio for Jason, we now go into a sentimental gaming property for Jason. Persona Five: The Animation, based on the Persona Five video games produced by Atlas. Uh, this one released uh, three months after uh, Darling the Franks, April uh, April eight, two thousand eighteen. Twenty six episodes, so slightly longer than a double. Well, the the long form of Double Cur, uh, directed by Masashi Ishihama. Um, now you've mentioned that you're you know a pretty big fan of the Persona series. Um, did you play the Shin Megami Tensei games before as well? Absolutely. I played the Shin Megami Tensei games. I played the Shin Megami Tensei colon Persona series, and then it branded as the Persona series. I played three, four, and five as well. Right. But, but five wasn't your favorite, was it? I think it was. you said it was four that was your favorite? Four is by far my favorite. Uh, 
I would say three and five, if you ask me on different days, I'll give you a different answer. Uh, but I do like Persona 5 a lot. I think it's a right. 9 out of 10 did, video game. 9 out of 10 video game, but did you watch the animation? I didn't finish watching it. But, but you at least did watch some of it, right? Yeah. Uh, and here's the thing with the Persona 5 animation. So I love Persona 4 the most out of Persona 3, 4, and 5. I played the video games all of them to completion. With Persona 4, I think I beat it four times. Then the Persona 4 Golden came out, and I beat that twice. And I think I beat Persona 3 once with, and then it's remake, I think it's called FES. Because they always do like an added thing afterwards. You know, it's a, Yeah, okay. We, we get the point, Jason. You really, really love the Persona series. The point is... <laughs> Usually with these types of video game adaptations that turn into anime, it is very much like the recent Nier show, in my opinion. Maybe it changes, but if you like Nier, play the video game. If it interests you, play the video game. Don't bother with the animation, uh, anime adaptation. That's it. That, that, that's really it. It's the same music. Yeah. It's the same voices. Just play the game, but it's a it's, a, it's an RPG, right? So in terms of like the storyline, like you do have some sort of input in terms of how to guide the direction of the game. So, I, as you mentioned with um with with uh, near Automata uh, that came out, you know, just uh, you know several months ago, um, it's 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 not that linear of a game where when you start producing it as an anime series that. You're going to be covering every single plot hole, every single like ending, every single storyline. Is, is that the sort of general vibe I'm getting from you for Persona 5? Persona 5, the animation, in regards to the storyline, is exactly the same as the game. Obviously, the voice cast is the same, and the music they pretty much recycled, even though it's great music. To me, though, it's just it just doesn't hit the same. Maybe I'm very biased because I played the video games. So it is true to a certain extent that as someone who played the games, I would obviously consider the games superior. But yeah. if you can't afford the time to play over 80 hours to 100 hours for a video game, which I completely understand, but you're still into the Persona series, then, of course, Persona 5, the animation is, is serviceable. That's, I guess, the end of the day to me. It's serviceable. That's it. Yeah, but I guess since you didn't finish it, you can't really give it a score, right? Yes, that's fair. I didn't. All right. Yep. Okay. Moving on. Okay. Now this is probably the series that I think was one of the early defining moments of Cliverworks as a studio. Rascal does not dream of Bunny Girl Senpai, based on the light novel that was written uh, by Hajime Kamoshida. Uh, released in October 2018, directed by Soichi Masui. Uh, one cur, 13 episodes. Uh, now, this one is unfortunately a series, again, that I did not watch. Uh, time has not been friendly to me recently. But I think, you know, when we were preparing for this particular episode, asking Jason as well, you know, in terms of, like, all the other stuff that Clipworks has done, is this a particular series that I have to watch uh, to 
really get into the lore of Cloverworks. And uh, I think you kind of wholeheartedly just said, yeah, I watched the movie too. Yes. And I think one of the things that I want to emphasize with uh, Rasko Does Not Dream of Bunny Girl Senpai is that not only is there a sequel movie, but they also adapt the later light novels into two movies, one of which I think is coming out at the end of the year. So Yeah, Rascal Rascal does not dream of a sister venturing out. That's the one, right? Uh yes. And then the other one which they have announced for December one, twenty twenty three, is Rascal does not dream of knapsack kids. So of uh, Sister Venturing Out should be out in Japan at least. It's June twenty third, twenty twenty three. So um hey, if it's if it's just continuing the story I'm all for it. I can't wait for it to arrive on streaming platforms so I can watch it. Basically, I right. won't. But we gotta, yeah. But we gotta start from the beginning, and uh, that would be Rascal Does Not Dream of Bunny Girl Senpai, um, or uh, Seishin Buta. Well, no, Seishin Buta Yaro is the 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 name of Rascal Does Not Dream. Um, as, as Jason mentioned, it's a collection of light novel uh, stories. Um, you you watched everything in, in 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 completion right in regards to the rascal that's not dream series or or mainly just the the, the bunny girl senpai stuff uh i watched uh the bunny girl senpai and the sequel movie and the other movies haven't been out yet on streaming platform so i don't have access to it but got it, everything got it. that is currently released that i can get access to i finished so i think rascal does not dream of bunny girl senpai is waifu material as well as romance stories done very well with witty dialogue uh you might hear a lot about the premise and when you just hear it on paper or someone telling you the premise it won't make sense because it's like these oddities it's almost like monogatari in a way except there is not that much violence and it's more about mental trauma that's all i will say about it i think it's called and scantily clad women yes and uh funny enough uh I'm not sorry, this is a spoiler. There's not a lot of bunny girls. Okay, I'll say that. Yeah, yeah. Despite when you actually look at Rascal is a Dream of a of Bunny Girl Senpai and like the, the, the main poster that is on my anime list being uh I suppose the main character in a bunny girl outfit. What so what does it only just appear like for a fraction of the series? So in order to explain it, I will I will just say this. Rascal does not dream of Bunny Girl Senpai, similar to Monogatari, because they're uh, and because they're both of them are based on light novels. They go in terms of arcs, and this each arc is kind of condensed in its own story, as well as its "quote unquote" oddity, or I think they call it adolescent syndrome. And the main male character has to help out all these female characters, with the first female character being Mai who is essentially the girl bunny girl senpai. And no no when mm-hmm. you mean like adolescent syndrome do you mean in the sense like like chinibio? There is a girl that is afflicted with chinibio. Yes. Okay. But adolescent syndrome is essentially okay, so there is an odd kind of science fiction-esque phenomenon that happens with people who have an adolescent syndrome that the story focuses on with bunny girl senpai i'm just gonna say it because it's just the first episode literally in the first 10 minutes of the first episode 
Mai wears a bunny girl suit and walks around the school. And unfortunately, because of her adolescent syndrome, no one can see her. Like, no one can even see her. She's invisible to everyone except the male main character, which they address why he could see her. And so, like, uh, as opposed to like, Chinipio, this one's a bit more on, like, the supernatural side, then. Uh, they all have similar kinds of supernatural elements. But the thing that I quite like about these kinds of supernatural elements is that they all tie into the trauma or the obstacle that these female characters have to overcome with my being basically she is in this world she is a celebrity she is uh, like a teen idol of sorts and she is seen by everyone all plaster all over i think one of the the first things you see in the first episode is like her poster plastered on like on like on the side of a shopping mall with her drinking something and being like hey isn't this awesome blah blah blah, blah. But then after she finishes, you know, all of her quote unquote work, no one else pays attention to her or no one else seems to see her for who she is. So hence the invisibility kind of phenomenon. Mm-hmm. And sounds like a whole lot of weird shit. Yeah. Um, so why is it so damn popular then, Jason? Because uh, uh, on my anime list, it's got a, over a 1.6 million members ranked well, popularity, 52. I think Rascals Does Not Dream of Bunny Girl Senpai is the first anime that I would consider being putting Cloverwork on the map. Of course, they made stuff in the past. But to me, this is the one that I was like, oh, shit, this is an awesome show. And some of the things that I like that, unfortunately, Darling the Franks couldn't pull off was the romance and the banter. Because... uh the romance and the banter is done exceedingly well in Rascals Does Not Dream of Bunny Girl Senpai. And it's kind of the whole typical thing of, well, in romance, people can just talk to each other like adults and people can talk it out instead of he guess, she guess, he says, she says, right? It's, yeah. and, and Melo- I'm also going to have to give you the obligatory updates uh, and the... Um... The edit that uh, it's Rascal Does Not Dream, not Rascals. Shit. Well, Back at it again. Uh, but but do continue your analysis of... <laughs> I'm sorry. But yeah, no, no, do go on. Like, so it really like dives deeper into like the romance aspect. Again, like you mentioned that there's you know a, a, a central theme of like love and romance in Darling the Franks, but it doesn't really pull it off. So, and, but, but, but for you, Rascal does not dream of buddy girl senpai that's where like okay i finally see it now they're getting things together and this is working perfectly for me yeah i also think that the theme song is extremely catchy which i think is another of course you can say that about a lot of animation studios and their choice of op and ed but i think cloverworks has a knack of picking very good openings and endings and i i I have nothing bad to say about Bunny Girl Senpai, really. I think it's one of those shows that is very easy to recommend, and it is an easy sell, definitely. And it holds a special part because it's kind of like the first thing that I remember in terms of Cloverworks and putting them on the map, in my opinion. Right. So definitely watch... Bunny Girl Senpai, watch the following movie. Is it like, does not dream of, uh, of, of, 
Wandering Girl, Dreaming Girl? What, what's the uh, uh, the sequel? First. It is Dreaming Girl. Uh, yeah, there's not Dream of a Dreaming Girl, followed by uh, the sister venturing out, and then uh, Knapsack Kid. So that would be like the full timeline as of you know what will be released for Rascal Does Not Dream, uh, the light novel series. What I will say um, though now, is yeah. um, uh, the Dreaming Girl uh, sequel movie. If you don't watch the other movies, because I haven't either, or read the light novels, it does tie most of the things up pretty neatly, such that if you don't watch anything more, I don't know why you wouldn't, but if that's like the last thing you watch of Rascal, it's good. It's great. All right. Um, I think we can move swiftly past uh, the next one, Dakaichi, uh, which is based on a yaoi manga by Hashiko Sakurabi. Um, this one released uh, just one day after uh, Rascal is Not Dream of Bunny Girl Senpai. Um, and I say that, you know, we move past it because I haven't watched it. And I don't think Neither have I. Either. Yep. Yeah. So, um, yeah, unfortunate for, for all the Takaichi fans. Uh, I think we can also move quickly past um, the next one, Ace Attorney Season 2, a sequel to Ace Attorney based on the game series Ace Attorney. Um, Did you play? I No. The game? No, I actually didn't play. I had a lot of friends that did play. It was because because like the, the the first games released on the DS, the uh, the Nintendo DS, um, unless there was one that came out on the, the Game Boy Advance or any of the prior systems, um, maybe like a Japan exclusive. Because you know there there definitely are a lot of games that only release in Japan and not anywhere else. Um, but I know it's it's insanely popular. It's it's not a it's not a game really, is it? It's it's a, it's a visual novel. Uh, I would say it's like, kind of like a visual novel point-and-click adventure, yeah. Uh, I really like the Ace Attorney trilogy. Uh, of course, they had many other iterations after that, but this is kind of essentially there's a trilogy of it, and uh, this is season two, so uh, it is the middle section. It's good. Right. But then, but, 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 I mean, again, like same thing again. If you have the game or have time to get and play the game, just play the game. Yes, uh, I would say so, hundred percent. Okay, all right, but you know, good game, possibly good series. Um, now this one is—I um, don't think either of us really want to talk much about it, simply because neither of us have a vested interest in this particular series. We're talking about Fairy Tale. Now, this is uh, the final season of Fairy Tale, which was produced by um, by, by CloverWorks in tandem with A One Pictures and Studio Bridge. Um, this one then came out one day after Ace Attorney Season 2. So within a span of three days, you had Takaichi, Ace Attorney Season 2, and Fairy Tale. You're going to notice a running trend in terms of how much shit Cloverworks gets done. Um, now, Fairy Tale, for all intents and purposes, is a very, very popular Shonen series, Shonen action series. Action adventure? Probably action adventure. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, since Jason and I have already watched a fuck ton of action adventure shonens. It's kind of hard to just go back in time and be like, you know what? Why don't we watch everything prior to the production done by Cloverworks and then give our two cents on the final season? Um, I don't think either of us want to take on that mammoth, uh, that mammoth task. Um, I don't know. I could be wrong. Did, did, were you ever interested in fairy tale, Jason? Nope. That's okay. Moving on then. Nothing ah, against finally. it. Just no. Yeah. That's it. Yeah, it's it's just in the end, right? Like there's there's a certain capacity in terms of what we want to watch and how much time we can afford to watching those things. And I don't think Fairy Tale met either criteria for both of us. 
yeah that that's really it let's get to yeah. the next show which is the promised neverland 12 episodes for the first cur winter 2019 based on the shonen manga written by kayu shirai who uh basically it published on uh weekly shonen jump has the series has ended already the manga series and uh what is your take on the promised neverland because it's to me it's like the most simplest slam dunk kind of take which is it's really good promised neverland was really damn good what i'd say it's like amazing the greatest ever like that's that's a that's a, a tall order but i i thoroughly enjoyed watching it i think that what it, like you know especially because it's you know it exists as a manga anybody who read the manga would know what the story's all about but you know if you like that kind of real tense suspenseful cat and mouse kind of series where you have people who are like not really sure what's going on but kind of like are just going through the motions but as the cracks of this facade start you know revealing the dark underbelly of the world they live in and they start realizing oh shit you know we we are religiously lambs with a slaughter we are sacrificial beings and uh we we got to do something about it otherwise we are going to die um that 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 shit was tense as fuck and also really fun for me i thought that you know the 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 characters were done really well in both the design as well as the voice acting. The voice acting was really, really good in that series. Um, first season, right? Um, and I think for anybody that, you know, talks shit about Promise Neverland and all that, I, I totally get you. I am not here to defend um, the atrocity that was season two, but season one on its own, similar to how Jason was saying that if you just watched like Cloverworks, uh, um, Wonderware, uh, uh, one of our priority and not the finale, you could be okay. You might be sort of intrigued to see what happens afterwards. And I'm sorry, but I have to tell you the old adage, the really boring cop out of just read the manga. Yeah. Also, because it's finished, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. The OP. Which means mm-hmm. like there really shouldn't be any reason for them not to actually properly adapt the rest of Promise Neverland. But do you think that ship has sailed? Do you think there's just Ooh. no chance for them to come back now after what happened with season two? I mean, I did not watch season two, but just based on the reception and what you have told me alone, I think it's a pretty hard sell. It's kind of like Shield Hero in a sense of except the fact that they have greenlit season two and three. But in my opinion, after season two, if they didn't announce a season three already beforehand for a uh, shield hero, I don't, I think they would just be like, uh, put on ice similarly with uh promise Neverland. I don't think there will be a season three or at least maybe like a couple of years later. Yep. Like, I mean, you just look at my anime list alone, right? There are, there are just like just over 350, uh, reviews on my anime list for season two of Promised Neverland. 215 of them, which are not recommended, but you'll find it is overwhelmingly positive for season one. So, look, if for any reason you're listening to this and you haven't watched season one of Promised Neverland, which I find kind of crazy because this one's even more popular than Bunny Girl Senpai at almost 1.9 million, popularity 37, uh, with a rank of, um, you know, 122. Uh, based on its raw score of 8.51 yeah 
people absolutely love the shit out of Promised Neverland, and I do too. But we were also really, really burned by what the fuck happened with season two. So uh, yeah, I, I think yeah, that's about it. It's 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 a really good series, um, very suspenseful, very tense, um, and and yeah, there are some pretty good action oriented scenes in there too. Um, so I don't think anybody's going to be betrayed by watching the first season. Just be clear with yourself that you're not going to go into season two. Uh, or just mentally prepare yourself however you do it and you know just be prepared to be disappointed by season two do you want to talk about um, season two because yeah. the next three kind of properties chronologically maybe I get- no but we'll go over those I, mean, I think we, we we don't need to talk about season two afterwards fair I mean um, it's pretty yeah because it's pretty I universal mean, what, else, what else are yeah. we really going to what else are we really going to add here other than it's garbage we already mentioned that in the beginning so we're just gonna move past that one so on from Promised Neverland, uh, the next thing that came out uh, later on in the year of 2019, I believe this would be fall uh, of 2019, Fate Grand Order Absolute Demon- Demonic. Wait, hold on. Let me start again. Fate Grand Order Absolute Demonic Front Babylonia, based on the uh, the Gotcha game Fate Grand Order or FGO, which is de- developed by Delightworks. Uh, this one ran for 21 episodes. Um, now. I'm not sure if uh, you, Jason, had gotten into playing Fate Go. Um, I did. I didn't really play all that much in the sense that I didn't put a single dime into the game. I was not trapped by the gotcha fucking like phenomena that people really... I'm really proud of you. Go. Okay. I, 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 I lie. I do play some gotchas, just not Fate Go because I already sunk enough money into other things. So um, I just could not afford to diversify my investments into Fate Grand Order. But as everybody would know by now, uh, the Fate series is probably one of the most, if not like the most iconic series, because it always, you know, brings in fierce debate. Oh, watch orders, tier lists. Oh, this version of Saber is the best version. But what about that version? And always like, oh, but, you know, all you simpletons can shut the fuck up because the only way to fully understand and appreciate fate is to play the visual novel which you know at the time was only in japanese and therefore you need to know how to read and write and understand japanese um so of course when fate go came out as a game on on mobile phones there was a lot of clamor a lot of hype and definitely a lot of money sunk into it so it's only expected that the fate go adaptation for the anime would also kind of get the same treatment that people would just fawn over it because you're getting to see all the characters you collected from Fate Go on the big screen. Um, now I didn't watch it, and simply because the, the people, the, the general anime fan, whether or not you really, really love Fate or are just kind of passing by and just seeing what's up with it, there's there's such a thing as Fate fatigue in that. How the fuck are you going to remember like seven different versions of Saber? How the hell are you going to remember what happened in the third Holy Grail War or the fifth one or the fake one or this and that? Um, So if you did watch it and you enjoyed it, hey, power to you. I I couldn't stand to get into Fate all over again, um, especially since I already spent enough time watching Fate, the original, followed by... Unlimited Blade Works. Still haven't watched the the, the, the movie trilogy yet. Uh, and then, of course, Fate Zero. I think that at some point, you know, there's only so much fate you can take unless you are a diehard fate fan. I'm, I mean, we are pretty hyped for Fate Strange Fake, though. Yeah, that one that one should be good. Again, it's... it's 
I, I watched episode zero, and like, of course, it, it it does you know amp up the hype. But whether or not I will actually watch it as it airs, like on a weekly basis, and then to completion, that's another thing entirely. Um, we'll we'll see where we go from there. Um, but I mean, is, is there anything you want to add to the whole fate go? phenomena for cleverworks so uh first off uh fgo uh waifu is uh mash okay but that aside i was ready to watch at fake grand order uh colon you know i'll just call it babylonia but as i was gonna watch it i was like wait right this is the fate series so this means i need to make sure i watch it correctly quote unquote then I Googled it, and it turns out that Babylonia is not the first thing that you, quote-unquote, need to watch. And it turns out that, A, you need to watch Fake Grand Order First Order, Fake Grand Order Camelot Movie 1 and Camelot Movie 2, then technically Babylonia Episode 0, then watch Babylonia. So I saw that, and I was just like, fuck that. Fuck that. Yeah. Right, it's it's already enough just getting into the main fate series, but then you start branching off to like the apocryphas, the fake strange fakes, the the the, the fucking grand orders and whatnot. And then you also have the Decalot Ilya Prism shit. Like it, it it's just too much shit. Look, I'll I'll just save everybody time. All you need to watch are a limited blade works. If you so choose to watch the original, then sure you can watch that one as well. Um, you can watch Heaven's Feel. Fate Zero, and then end with Emiya, the cooking slice of life. That's that's all you need to watch. But if you want to get on Will and my extremely good side, you should watch The Garden of Sinners as well. Because it's kind of like an and offshoot. And also play Tsukihime. Yeah, that too. Sure. Just just all the original shit. And, right? and they, yeah. don't, don't come at us with all these other fates and whatnot yeah and, um, and then yeah. advocate for the tsukihime anime that they have to do eventually i'm convinced i'm Which so probably convinced. never do honestly because ufo table is too damn busy with demon slayer and by the time they're done with it they're it's just it, it's just been so long yeah all right yeah next on their Moving list on then. do you have you yeah. heard of this show auto boy carl from mobile land it's an original work but Apparently, it's a it's a it's a kids project, a multimedia kids project that was uh, done by Aniplex and Sony Music Entertainment Japan. Uh, ran for a hundred and four episodes. So, I, but I don't think it's like full length episodes. I think it's like those like short three to five minute snippets. Ah. Um, especially since this is like a, a kids project, I don't think that they would have expected children to have that long of an attention span to watch something that will go for a hundred and four episodes. Though I guess One Piece fans will you know have something to say about that. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I don't know shit about Audible Carl from Mobile Land, so, um, should we just move past that one? Yeah. Let's move on to the next one. The Millionaire Detective Balance colon Unlimited, based on the novel written by Yasutaka Tsutsui, right? Tsutsui, yeah. Uh, good enough. Thank, uh, I'll, I'll make do. Uh, released on April 9th, 2020, so essentially spring. And went for 11 episodes, but it ended its run on September 24th, 2020. So I assume it was either a split or they had delays. So um, other than that, though, I didn't watch it, but Will did. What do you think of the, the show? Yeah, so, so there's like, you know, a little more sort of 
background information. Uh, this novel series is, you know, quite old. Um, it's been around for, for quite a long time. Uh, and um, there actually was a live-action adaptation of it before. It actually ran for two seasons, um, airing from 2006. Um, so I guess this is more of like the animated modern take on uh, The Millionaire Detective. Uh, when watching it, I... I enjoyed it in the sense that, like, I thought that some of the comedic gags were pretty good. The characterization was done well. Uh, but overall, I thought that the story itself was kind of just bland. It didn't really offer as much in terms of, like, it, it's basically, like, as you would expect from the, the title itself. It's a detective who has an unlimited wealth of resources to be able to do whatever the hell they want. Like, imagine this is just basically Tony Stark and Iron Man, right? But without, you know, shooting rockets out of your fists and, you know, having sex with your secretary. That That's not what the series is about. Um, but I, I thought it was kind of kind of interesting I, I i definitely liked how they introduced the the characters and how the series developed over time but i still felt a little bit like wanting more from watching it and i guess you know the the, the score i think i think i gave it a well I actually ended up giving it an eight uh really i don't know maybe i was being a little bit too nice then it really should have just been a seven um but yeah 7.53 um, decently popular, 519 with uh, 413,000 members. So there's definitely like a space within my anime list um, for people to actually be like, yeah, no, like I want to share how much I like the series. I think generally though, especially like watching it now, it's the same with Jason saying watching Slow Start. If you like that kind of stuff, great, but like don't push yourself to rush to the series and be overwhelmingly like wowed by it. So I saw the first episode of it, and um, I think I remember three things about the the show based on the first episode. The first one was there, I guess, was a highway chase scene, and the 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 buddy the cop, yes, and because he's a millionaire detective, what this guy chose to do was essentially cause a bunch of vehicular damage and then his excuse is oh yeah i'll just pay all of them later so that was i was just like oh, okay is is okay i get it okay then uh the second thing was essentially the partner right because essentially the partner is like from the police and he is babysitting the millionaire detective who's kind of a loose cannon because he can pay for everything so and he just wants to solve crimes i guess and i just thought that I guess it's a fun dynamic, but I do remember that dynamic duo type of trope. And I guess the last thing I will say is there's a mechanic, I think, who is a female, and I think she's MVP. I can already see it. She's MVP. I don't know if she ends up being, like, a very uh, favorite character for a lot of people, but to me, she's, like, super down to be MVP. Yeah, no, she's not. Of that show. She's not? Shit. No. I I don't yeah. know why you're trying to praise her. Like I I appreciate you're trying to find like a a, a gem within the series. There's nothing. It it it's it's a flat seven. It's 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 very run of the mill, and the characters don't really develop that much further after seeing their like their shtick from episode one. So um, I appreciate you're trying to simp for the mechanic, but that's that's not gonna fly. Sure. Yeah. Uh, what you can simp for is Horamiya, which came out. Uh, Shortly after 
Um, no, not even shortly after, almost a whole year after Millionaire Detective Balance Unlimited. Uh, this one came out in, uh, in winter 2021 based on a romantic comedy manga series written by Hero. Um, now, uh, I'm just going to shut the fuck up because um, I'm just going to give Jason five hours to talk about how much he loves Horimiya. It's a good show. Watch it. Done. Okay, cool. Uh, Wonder Egg Priority. Um, we spent about five, ten minutes kind of just talking shit about the finale, but why don't we, you know, just get Cliffworks back into the good graces of our hearts and actually say some nice things about Wonder Egg Priority? Okay. I think Wonder Egg Priority is an extremely ambitious show. Now you can say that about literally so many of original IPs or, you know, di- like very... No, no. I, I think I think when, when you say it's ambitious, no, like you are like a thousand percent correct. This is probably the most wackiest out there concept for an original series. And like, okay, maybe in the first couple of episodes, we're still like, what the fuck's going on? But never was there a point where we were like, Okay, let's stop watching. No, it's just like, I, I got to find out more. I got to know more about what the fuck this egg is all about. Yeah, whether it is the intrigue and the mystery or whether it is the female characters or whether it is things that are implied or even outright said or spoken, I think Wonder Egg Priority is a treat to watch and it's one of those shows that I think is just really cool in a sense of you can't really figure out what's going on, but you got enough to string you along to watch the next episode. And it kind of goes all sorts of places. And I will not shut the fuck up about Wonder Egg Priority forever. Really. I think the the main thing as well was like when we were looking at uh, Winter 2021, we just saw like I, I just saw Wonder Egg. It's like, huh, interesting. It's a Cloverworks thing. It looks kind of cute. Why don't we check it out? And uh, yeah, I'll just leave it at that because anything else I say beyond that will just be spoilers. Yeah, that's your credit for getting us on that train. You you, you want to go into Wonder Egg Priority completely blind because you want to be taken on this wacky supernatural journey um, that, uh, you know, unfortunately has been left wanting more um, from its fans. So um, yeah, as Jason said, if you're okay with... uh, cliffhanger endings by all means this is a hard recommend you have to watch it hard 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 recommend uh wonderful um, op yeah. and ed similar to hori oh yeah no the music was great too the music was super good yeah, yeah. so next up we have shadow's house which premiered in spring of 2021 based on the supernatural manga by somato uh 13 episodes there is a season two that should be uh let me see. It is. They came out in uh, summer, yeah. I believe, of uh, 2022. Yep. Um, so I guess like I only watched a few episodes of um, of Shadows House, but you were you you were pretty like stoked to see season two. You're like there because you, you could see like the the ingredients in the series like being like no this this has like the cojones to be real good, and I think that there was some delivery of it in season two. So like why don't we just talk about both seasons in one go because because you've watched i'm not sure you finished season two but you definitely watched a lot way way more than i have uh i think i am several episodes away from finishing season two at the time 
it was one of those shows where it it started my whole on hold saga i guess my so i do need to finish it uh it was really good i i the only reason why i didn't finish it wasn't because i didn't want to it was just i just put it off shadows house is again one of those shows that i don't really know how to describe other than cleaning is involved there's a lot of like m- mansions tim burton-esque type of aesthetics mystery on top of mystery on top of mystery and it is a very good show also opian ed is fantastic um it is a slow burn though right it's a pretty slow burn series yes it is very much uh, mm, because i don't think there is a lot of very in your face elements or there is no extreme kind of excitement from it it is a it's a layer that builds up over time and then when you look down or look back all of a sudden it's a hundred stories up so it is a really good show and it does reward a lot of persistence in terms of watching more i think it's one of those rare shows where Instead of if you're not convinced about maybe the first two episodes or so, I would say just keep going. Like, I would even go half half of season one, which is 13 episodes, so it's like six or seven. It might sound right. like that's a lot to invest, but it would really convince a lot of people whether or not this is a show for them or not. Right, and and like you know, of course, I'm going to be very cliche and lacking in originality here but like this is a series that's very different from all the other series right absolutely it's very tim burton-esque and if you like that sort of aesthetics if you think kind of like victorian era type of clothing and mannerisms and even the soundtrack is extremely reminiscent of those era then this is straight straight ecstasy for you it's also very pretty nice okay well uh just like they did in uh winter 2021 we have a trio a hat trick of uh series that came out in winter 2022 starting off with uh probably the worst of the bunch tokyo 24th ward um now i'm not sure if this was because of the fact that we were still like we were we were pretty forgiving to the finale of wonder egg priority um and just felt that you know what like they still did a good original work and this one's also going to be original work ran for 12 episodes done by oh directed by uh naokatsu suda um we we were we were uh, we, we were kind of hype I, i'd say we, we were definitely hyped for it because it looked interesting it looked uh you know kind of different from uh, the other series that they usually do, but still kind of in the similar vein of Wondering Priority, not really knowing what it's about, but it looked very bombastic and colorful. Um, and then when we watched the first episode, oh boy, um, there's a train in that series, in that episode. And uh, yeah, no, that train never takes off from the station, uh, just like the series itself. It was hot garbage. Uh, I would argue the train did leave the tracks and it became a train wreck. That's what I would say. It was. Uh, I don't know what. So not even like not even living up to expectation. It just basically like left the station and like destroyed itself en route. 
I don't have anything really good to say about it, really. Uh, I think, like, the the thing that was really bothering me was the fact that, like, how heavy they laid into character tropes, especially with the three main characters all having different hair colors and those hair colors fully representing the character tropes that exist within anime. All right. The redhead, like, the redhead fiery attitude one, the blue-haired fucking, like, oh, like, I'm suave and cool-headed and, like, I don't take shit from nobody. And then the green one was just, like, some weird kid that nobody really gets along with. So... Listeners, let me spin you a tale of typical stereotypes. You're ready in terms of the realm of anime. You have, as Will mentioned, a trio of best bros, each with primary colors, red, blue, green. All have varying personalities that, as Will said, attributed to their personality. Where have we heard that before? Oh no, they are kind of friends, but not really. But then they band together, and then there's a big conspiracy, and then it is supposed to be really cool. They try extra, extra hard to make you think that they're really cool, but they're not. And that's Tokyo 24th Ward. Right. Uh, We're going to leave that train wreck behind and go into the next uh, two of the trio, uh, both of them uh, released on the same day, January 9th of 2022, but they're not the same series, one of which is Dress Up Darling, My Dress Up Darling, based on a romantic comedy series uh, by Shinichi Fukuda, and the other one being Akebi's Sailor Uniform, based on the Slice of Life manga by Hiro. Now, I did say Hiro before for Horimiya. That one is H-E-R-O. This one, Akebi's Sailor Uniform, is written by H-I-R-O. So there is two separate mangakas for those series. Don't want to cause any confusion there. Um, so I'll leave it up to you, Jason. Which one you want to talk about first, My Dress Up Darling or a KB Civil Uniform? Both of them came out at the same time, so you you hold the cards. So let's talk about lewdness. And Which one? Let's talk about the most obvious lewdness. Uh, I which mean, it, is, it's not that obvious, man. So then it's really not that obvious. when you factor in slice of life, right? You know, there's high school, okay, okay. right? Now, now we're going. And then, you know, there is uh, there's it's slice of life. It's co- there's comedic elements to it. And there is just people trying to show who they are. And I'm, of course, talking about the extremely lewd Akebi Sailor uniform. There we go. Probably one of the prettiest shows to the point it got nominated in the Crunchyroll Anime Awards. I was so... For best animation in anime, yeah. That was really... Okay, first of all, good choice. I know it won't win, and it didn't, but okay. But you also know that it was Men of Culture that picked that nomination. My God. Such... I... I, I, I... There is actually nothing that really goes on in a KB sailor uniform. It is a KB and her high school friends just vibing and essentially doing. It's not suggestive, right? But it is. Yeah, it's, it's definitely it, it, it's, like it's, lewd. I would say there are some. There are some very very like light Yuri undertones here. Oh, a hundred percent Yuri bait and um. It's kind, the lewdness is essentially, think of Miru tights in the sense that there's nothing nude or, or 
like on screen, but it is extremely, extremely, yeah, provocative, extremely suggestive, yeah, very yeah. suggestive. But like, what what's the what's the real storyline of Akebi's silly uniform? Right, it's just Akebi and her homies vibing until the vibes are off, and then she comes back and the vibes are back on. Well, technically, technically, it's Akebi trying to go to a school that her mom went to. That's a very prestigious kind of boarding school of sorts. And they have a uniform because that's all she cares about. But they change their uniform and she's like, well, fuck that. I'm just going to get my mom's old uniform and wear that. And the school board was like, I mean, I can't say no because technically it's a school uniform. It's just phased out, but it's a school uniform. So, eh. And then she just meets interesting friends along the way and she essentially i mean is so ballsy and very high school girl japanese-esque to go to your interview for the school so being interviewed to to be enrolled in the school and they go so what do you like about our school and then she goes your uniform like well i mean it, it shows her passion i suppose yep um but again, like it really doesn't offer a whole lot in terms of like what the fuck this series is, right? Much in the same way of why anybody would watch like Mirror Tights. Like you're definitely not watching it for the quote unquote plot. You're watching it for the asterisk plot. Like there's there's nothing going on here other than will they, won't they? Are they going to show it or not? And if you are, you are a dirty heathen and you should be ashamed of yourself. But at the same time, everybody else is watching it for the same thing. Um, yeah, a KBC Blue Farm is fucking weird. But at the same time, it's like you can't help but feel like when you're watching the wholesome moments, you're like, yeah, no, that was sweet as shit. And then there's a camera that shows up. Uh, yeah, I think that's episode three. Yeah. Yeah, like what the fuck? Like, it's the photography like, oh, club, cool. Will. Yeah, sure. It's it's definitely extracurricular activity. Yeah, uh, or maybe hey, look, you you like swimming? Yeah, you like swimming? Why not? Uh, yeah, let's make a whole episode about them swimming. Nothing, nothing risky or suggestive with that at all, right? Yeah, nothing. No, um, nothing. Totally uh, yeah, pure. No, this is this, this is this is like as much as it is very clean and sweet. It is also. Probably the most degenerate series that Cloverworks has done. And I'm throwing in Darling in the Franks in that hat too, by the way. I would agree because I think a Kebby Sailor uniform is deceptive in terms of on face value. You'd be like, oh, it's a slice of life. It's about a girl who tries to wear uniform. It's going to be great. And then you watch it and you're like, you can if you're watching it with people, you kind of be like, are you, are you guys seeing what I'm seeing? Like, it's it's still really good, very pretty. I, I, but I'd rather be caught watching hentai than watching a KB Sailor uniform, and I mean that in the best way. Like that's the kind of praise you got to give to a KB because they really push the limit in terms of what you can do with imagination. Yeah, because I think it's the difference between when you see someone watching porn and they go, "Oh, you're such a pervert," versus you watch. A KB sailing uniform and they go, You sick little fuck. Yeah, dude, hell, dude, get get off the train. What the fuck are you doing watching that on this shit? Like you get get out of here. That's that's the general reaction you would get from watching a KBC uniform in public. But if you're within the confines of your safe house, of your 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 comfy home, your bunker, then 
by yeah, by by all means, exactly. Yeah, you gotta you gotta really go off the grid for that shit. Okay. Um, I I, I mean, I, I gave it an eight out of ten, but at the same time, do you think it's because of how droll and dross Winter twenty twenty two was that we were just praising the shit out of a KBSA uniform, or do you feel that like you yeah, know this deserves the attention it got? What did I give a KBSA uniform? I think I also gave it an eight, but I really enjoyed yeah. the simplicity of it, and. It's also yeah, don't get me wrong. It, it, really is, good. it is like it's slice of life as fuck to the point where it's almost Iashke, right? There, there's nothing that really goes on. And whenever you do see a KB doing her thing, it does feel quite healing. It actually does feel very comforting watching that shit. But then you also get that fucking pan up along the, the thigh and all that. Yeah, like it, it's it's Miratite's done like tastefully well i suppose i mean, there's there's also some credit due for muratites for people who have watched it um but at the same time it's just like if i had to choose between the two like i would always vouch for a kbc uniform because they're they're very it's it's very like michelin star-esque treatment that they give it it's very mwah. like they definitely crafted this to the point where they're not in your face showing straight up panties you know well i'm glad you mentioned panties because next up is dress up darling because instead of uniform now we're talking about cosplaying and of course we're talking about essentially would you say it's the waifu of 2022 in most people's eyes oh dude some people would just vouch for it being you know waifu of all time like the amount of clamor that you had for her is just oh god like you would not hear anybody shut the fuck up about uh about uh marin uh don't you mean sit snap I'm I'm not simping over someone's wife. So, Marin is essentially uh, waifu material. I would agree with that statement. But I think Dress Up Darling also has a lot going for it. I think that... Really? I, I didn't notice any plot going on. I was too busy you know, focusing on other things. But, you know, like, jokes aside, no. I, the story for My Dress Up Darling is really good. I think it tells a very complex love story uh, i guess a lot of sort of like identity crises some sort of like complexes that people have about themselves and they you know i i i would have liked for them to dive deeper into it i think that's the interesting part that they still do a pretty good job in terms of portraying the insecurities that certain people have within the series yeah i also really like the fact that they at least address the subject of like what you like and don't worry about what others say or trying to overcome that kind of stigma, right? The other thing I also like about uh, My Dress Up Darling is the, I guess, the realm of cosplaying, which a lot of these slice of life or rom-com shows where they use some sort of subject or hobby as its theme, they don't usually go very in-depth into it, or at least not throughout the entire curve of anime. But I think Dress Up Darling does a very good job at least getting an introduction to a lot of different facets of cosplaying that may not be readily apparent to a lot of people. Even if you go to like conventions and see a lot of cosplaying. Um, I also like the fact that I like the OP and ED. I don't know if everyone feels that way, uh, but I like it. I really think that season two, which is coming out, you know, 
soon, I guess they announced it for sure, is going to be something that uh, I'm 100% looking forward to. What about you, Will? Yeah, um, I liked it. I I would say one sort of big problem I do have with it, though, is the um, the amount of JB they have in it. Mm, I'm okay. I'm 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 not okay with the jailbait. It is what it is. I'm not here yeah, to advocate um, for it, but I get it. I get why people will be not okay with that. Yeah, and I, I don't think you're saying you're okay with it either, right? Let's, that is correct. That, okay, let me let me just put it out there. I am Cause, not because 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 the way you're 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 saying it, it sounds like you're kind of giving it a pass. I am not okay with it, but you understand why it's there. Yes, I also understand why some people might like that. It's just not my thing, and in many other ilks of these types of shows i would have huge problems with the show in in its entirety but i think my dress up darling has a lot of other things that is going for it that to me it is it is not something that i'm okay with but it is something that i'm willing to turn a blind eye towards yeah is it the right right. thing i don't know but is what i am saying and what i really believe in now we move on to quite possibly the most highly acclaimed and most loved uh, anime series done by Cloverworks. Though another series that comes out later on might have something different to say about oh, that. Oh, Heart of Kuniichi Tsubaki, right, Will? Yes. So that one came out of April 10, based on the comedy manga by Soichiro Yamamoto, 13 episodes. Um, this is a, a, the same mangaka that did um, was Teasing Master Takagi-san, um also uh what was the other one they did oh, well, Ayumu, when, when will Ayumu make his move mm-hmm. um so yeah i think that you know when you had loads of people who really loved teasing my master takagi-san to the point where three different streaming platforms were fighting each other over airing each independent season and then there was a movie that came out for it uh, i think there was also a lot of a lot of like clamor and hype for uh when will Ayumu make his move a bunch of other series that uh that's uh uh, Yamamoto-san did um, so surely you know in the heart of Kunoichi would stand amongst those three on the podium right don't watch it it's shit yeah as mentioned with Teasing Master Takagi-san and Ayumu whilst those two series are still ongoing in manga form uh, yeah in the heart of Kunoichi Spaki uh, ended uh, earlier this year so it's no longer serialized. Uh, it probably is still serialized. It's just that it's there's going to be no material, uh, no new material for it. Um, but uh, yeah, now we're actually going to be talking about the real series here, which is Spy Family or Spy X Family, however you want to say it. Everybody knows it. Everybody loves it. But Jason, do you love it? Yeah, of course. I think Spy X Family is great. Um, it is based on the action comedy manga by Tatsuya Endo. It is obviously co-produced with Wit Studio because you have already heard that time and time and again. Um, it is probably one of the first uh, Jump Plus properties, right? That was kind of... It was one of the first few that came up, but also immediately blew the fuck up. And uh, that's when, you know, 
there were a lot more productions, uh, a lot more anime se- manga series that started shifting from WSJ over onto the Jump Plus platform. Yeah, I think it was Spike's Family and Kaiju Number Eight that really were the two kind of spearheading IPs that really made Jump Plus Manga Plus a very mainstay online manga platform. But yeah, and then some sometime afterwards, then Chainsaw Man also moved over to Jump Plus. Mm-hmm. But let's talk about. The best family of all time, at least within the realm of Cloverworks, Spy X Family. Well, I don't know what else we can add to the conversation of Spy X Family because I think probably everyone else has either heard about it well, or watched wait, it. Outside of like other people thinking about this, because for sure, right? I mean, season one, part one was great. Season part two, well, season one, part two was also good. You and I have both read the manga, or at least reading the manga, because it's not done yet. Um, and also, you know, Coat White, the movie that came out, it seemed to have done pretty well, too. Um, has has it sustained your attention throughout? Like, are you still keeping up with Spike's family? Or is it because maybe, you know, you already kind of had your fill of Spy Fam? You are already overdosed on the sweetness that uh, Anya brings um and the fact that you know with with this podcast that there's so much other stuff you do need to watch you know have you been able to accommodate much time in sustaining your interest in spy family um no i haven't caught up with the manga for a while now but i will say that technically code white is premiering in december 22nd 2023 so technically it's not out yet um for a bit of time and I'm not even sure what's it exactly about. I don't know. But uh Coat White, I think it's just like a an original story, like a side arc that not that's not like consequential to what happens in the main series, but still very much within the lore of, of Spy Family. Yeah, I really like Spike's Family. I think it's one of those shows that is very easy to recommend to people, is very crowd pleasing, and it is really well done. That's really all I really need to say. Yeah. Do you feel though that the hype and the clamor that it gets is centered around specific characters in Spy Family? Oh yeah, of course. It's Anya yeah, and cause, Yor. Because because uh, not so much Yor now. I think if anything, like Anya is like front and center, the main character. Well, yeah, because I mean, I love your. I very much love your. But like, you had to put those two. Like, which one you would save? I would probably still go with Anya. Oh yeah, I would. I would save Anya a hundred percent. Because because Peanuts. your doesn't need no saving. She can take care of things herself, right? Yeah, and Fiona Frost will always like be there. You just won't realize it. She was always yeah, there. She's always going to be playing second fiddle. She'll always be the bridesmaid, not the bride. That's unfortunate, but that's just the way it is. Yep. So, uh, we've already talked about season two of Shadow's House. Now, as I mentioned before, with Spike's family or Spy Family being the most hyped, highly acclaimed, most favorited anime series that's, uh, with, uh, that Cloverworks has done in, produ- in produ- co-production with Wood Studio. Um, yeah. Sometime later, at the beginning of 2023, fall, uh, there was a rather unassuming series. Oh, no, 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 no. Uh, sorry. It was in... Uh, fall of 2022, not winter of this year, uh, came out about, as you know, almost a year ago. Um, a rather unassuming, kind of under-the-radar series, uh, Bochi the Rock, 
um, which is based on a uh, four-panel manga by Aki Hamaji, uh, aired October 9th, 2022. Uh, now, there wasn't a whole lot that I knew about this series, and so I kind of just you know left it by the wayside. And then all of a sudden, I get updates on my anime list saying, oh, this is now s- scaling the charts and becoming one of the most highly rated series of all time. And then Jason goes and watches it. And then now he's just telling me this is everything I've been looking for in a long, 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 long time. So Jason, what the fuck is up with Bochi the Rock? When I look at the repertoire of Cloverworks, you get a lot of quirky shows, right? You get things that don't technically fit within the mold of what people would consider an extremely like highly acclaimed show. Then you also get the crowd pleasing shows like Spike's Family, Hori Mia. I think is generally pretty uh, crowd pleasing. You get obviously the quirky. Does Bunny Girl Senpai fit in there? I would say so as well. Yeah, for sure. And I think Shadow. I mean, one point six million, right? Mm-hmm. I think Shadow's House is the more like off kilter, like quirky, like the in between, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's definitely more like a dark horse, but definitely worth your time in terms of investing and in watching the series. Mm-hmm. I would also but argue where does Bochi the Rock like fit in all this? Um, Bochi the Rock fits in none of them, but Bochi the Rock is, in my opinion, probably my personal favorite of all of the shows that Cloverworks has produced thus far. I don't know if it would be everyone's cup of tea, but it hit all the right boxes for me that it is far and away the best thing that Cloverworks has made. Easily. I mean, you're not the only one that's uh, praising it. 465,000 members, popularity 459, but with an 8.83, that's enough to put it number 28 of all time for my anime list's top anime series. And I do think that uh, based on the four coma manga is quite an interesting adaptation process because on one hand, you do have some source material, you have some idea of the general story and plot, and you could get pretty intricate in terms of plot details. But what I love about the anime adaptation of Bochi the Rock, even without watching, uh, sorry, without reading a single page of the manga, is the direction because... They not only parody things like K-On, which is very much like similar vein of a bunch of girls forming a band and playing and performing. But then if you mix in all of a sudden live action footage, then all of a sudden claymation, then stop motion, and then glitchy like computer graphics and have them all be coherent to a certain extent. And then you add in the music element done very well it is such an off-kilter show that uh, you have to see it to really understand it in my opinion i yeah i, I mean it, it, it's hard for me not because i don't i'm not interested it's more it's just time that's what it is but you know the fact that there's so many people that you know vouch for it i think like it was above a nine before, right? On my email list at some point. Yeah, it dropped throughout, but it did go over a nine at one point. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, like, people are always going to be riding that wave of hype, right? So, of course, they're going to be smashing those nines and tens on my email list and, you know, 
calmer heads prevail, and now it's sitting at a still very, very high 8.83. So, you know, there, there's clearly something about this series that people love about it, right? So uh, otherwise, they wouldn't be getting a movie that's going to be coming out sometime soon. Yeah, I just think that Bochi the Rock is very different than a lot of your typical anime shows, even if, like, I, I honestly think that some people will watch it and being like, it's all right. Or like, is it is it really that different from like cute girls playing music? There's a lot of that in terms of like those kinds of series. I think there's definitely a lot of that, but a lot of it is also somewhat relatable to like geeks and nerds and uh, very much anti-social behavior. But you want to do so much, especially when you are a rock band that usually gives a persona of very outward going, charismatic person. And then you have this person, Bochi, who literally shreds on the guitar, but has to sit in a box in order to perform. Literally, that happens at one point because she's too scared mm. to, to even see the audience. Like she's, she's got like real bad like social anxiety, right? Mm-hmm. And it's all played for laughs and also played for heart. It really is like wholesome in many ways. And I think... The Bochi the Rock. There's an episode called Bochi the Rock. So it's, I think, episode seven or eight. And it is literally one of the best episodes I saw last year. Singular episodes. It was fantastic. Um, And I will not shut up about it, honestly. So if that's your, if that. Well, I guess you'll have to shut up about it at some point, right? Because we have to move on to the next thing. Yeah. Um. Yeah. That's really it. I think what's left on the on the catalog. I mean, it's just a lot of season two. Unite twos up, and hor- right? <laughs> Unite up, which is a multimedia project from Sony Music Entertainment Japan. Neither of us know anything about it, so we're moving on from that. And then, yeah, sequels and uh, other things that are related to the previous stuff they've done, like the Horimiya Missing Pieces, Spike's Family season two, uh, and then the other future stuff that's coming out, like Windbreaker. Um, Black uh, Black Butler season four and so on and so on. Um, movie wise, I think that um, it's again like sequel movies for the most part. Like Rascal doesn't dream of a dreaming girl. Um, the fake rent order stuff. Uh, Dakaichi. Um, there is one or two maybe like for example, there's like Seikano the movie, uh, which is based on like the series of Seikano, How to Raise a Boring Girlfriend. Um, but I haven't watched it. Uh, like both the movie or the original series. Um, I don't think you've watched either as well, yeah, right? Yeah, but I do plan on consuming it because I think... Well, I mean, I've, I've put it in our, you know, um, Gotta Watch Them Alls, uh, or no, the, the Closet Cleanups uh, pick before, uh, and it didn't get picked. Maybe I'll put it back in there at some point. Yeah, and um, uh, Her Blue you know the Sky? Work that they did? Her Blue yeah, Sky. Her Blue Sky is the, an original work uh, that was directed by Tatsuyuki Nagai. I can't find and, uh, it. Well, released October 11, 2019. Have you watched I it? I can't find it. Okay. I don't think then it's available on streaming it. platforms, or at least I can't get access to it. So I can't. It may just be like a Japan-only thing, honestly. Um, I, I guess there's really not much that we need to do in terms of talking about ONAs and OVAs, um, simply because a lot of the stuff is like, I don't know what powerful pro Yaku powerful kakohen is or voyager with an a being an at symbol uh there's a bunch of onas and ovas for the persona 5 series diary of our days as well as uh sakura wars so 
none, none of the stuff that we really can cover and most likely also because it's probably hard to access too. Uh, but hopefully, you know, with the discussion we've had today that we've gone over the main series of Cloverworks, um, you know, we shed some light in terms of the, the history uh, and the, the inception of Cloverworks and, you know, really just dive deeper into, well, dove deeper into uh, the sort of um, the, the vibes of, of Cloverworks. Um, you know, as, as I mentioned, is it one of my favorite studios? No, it's not. There's other series, uh, other series that are done by studios that, like, I think had better story production and whatnot. But it would be very, very short-sighted to me to be just dismissing uh, Cloverworks simply because of the fact that the works that they've done have been really good, and I'm I'm positive that they're going to continue that trend. The only thing that I wish for them to do, which is probably not attainable, but you know, it's just wishful thinking. Slow down their production cycle. I think that you know, being able to produce every season uh, in a, in a calendar year is is fine as a business practice, but realistically, you're 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 gonna burn out, and it's it's you can already see that like not every series that they they they, they pump out hits the mark every single time. For me, I think. When Horimiya first came out, I kind of said that I think Cloverworks is a studio to look out for. And I still think that to this day they are... Well, it wasn't Promised Neverland? Because that's what it was for me. I mean, I think Promised Neverland really was very good. But I think after Horimiya, I'm like, okay, there is... You have enough in your repertoire that I'm convinced that you, you're here to stay for the long haul in terms of pantheon of, you know, t- if, if there is ever a tier list of current studios, right? But um, I would say that Cloverworks is, uh, as Will mentioned for him as well, is not one of, like, the top animation studios that I will put up there, but it is on the list. I'll just say that. and uh, Yeah. Yeah. And anything yeah, that like, they like for sure, mm-hmm. you, yeah. If, if, if you saw a series that was going to be like produced by Cloverworks, you'd feel pretty safe about it. I mean, yes, we've been burned a couple times, right? Like, let's not forget about fucking Tokyo Twenty Fourth Ward. But generally, you would feel pretty safe if you were to see a series that was done by Cloverworks. I will always watch a Cloverworks property. Like, if you just say, though, oh, it's done by Cloverworks, I would be very inclined to at least check it out. Obviously, not all the shows that have been made by Cloverworks will and I have either even consumed or touched. But it is a very easy sell to me if you just say, Cloverworks did it. Okay, I'm in for the most part. Like, I, I, it was just easier yeah. to, to, to get me on board, really. Yeah, I think that's also just coming down with like the standard of like the series of the studios that are coming out with stuff, right? Like for a while, we probably wouldn't have cared too much about OLM, but hey, now it's like you you do want to take it seriously. OLM is a serious studio, and you know there's there's going to be other ones out there, you know, like your Kyoannis or your Madhouses, and your well, maybe not so much Madhouse now, but like your Mappas and whatnot. That you know, if you see something coming out from that studio, like hype. You're going to be ready for it, right? especially if it's Kiyoani. But Cloverworks definitely deserves an honorable mention within that pantheon of studios we respect. 
Um, simply because of the fact that even if everything they do isn't going to be perfect, you have to admire the amount of output that they have. And as much as I say, right, like y'all got to chill in terms of pumping out so much stuff because you don't want to water down the well and have more quantity over quality. But more often than not, Cliverworks does produce a hit over a miss. And now we have reached the end of our episode, but don't you leave because you will miss out on me talking about the housekeeping scripts that I'm going to read to you. You can always reach us through our email, gapallet at gmail.com. That's G-A-P-A-L-E-T-T-E, all lowercase, all one word. You can use the handle at palletgood. That's capital P and capital G, all one word, on, I'll never say X, on Twitter. Or you can uh, talk to us through our GAP Discord server using the invite link in the show description. We have a website, and we encourage you to go check it out, www.goodanimepalette.com, all lowercase, all one word. Music credits for this episode. Our intro music is Never or Right Now by ELFL. And because we do not have a break music, our outro music is Like the Ocean by The Big Letdown. You can always support the music artists that we feature by listening to them on Spotify, Apple Music, or other various music listening platforms. And Aurora TV Music was provided by Epidemic Sound. If you're interested, you can sign up using our referral link in the show description. Terms and conditions apply. should probably throw in a little bit of a Shout out, of course, since we didn't have the break music, but since the break music is good as hell. Uh, uh, mind me, not going to wake up instrumental, that one. Yep. Quite like it. Um, unfortunately, we can't use it today, but we will definitely be using it uh, for the rest of this uh, season, season six. Yep. And uh, that wraps up Cloverworks for the time being. And uh, I really like doing these studio dives because it's not, other than the the studio there it could be a lot of different genres a lot of different styles because obviously different directors and whatnot so i uh but yeah it's limited to the amount of studios and obviously we don't want to just do one for studio just because we want to cover a studio right sometimes it's hard to pick one yeah but i think you know like it, it made sense to talk about Cloverworks, not just down to the work they've done recently, but it's also, you know, it's 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 a unique situation in that, you know, you have a studio that breaks off from like a main conglomerate and is now running things on a, well, from a creative perspective, more independently. Um, how much work they're able to do, uh, who knows? Um, we'll, have to, we'll just have to hope they don't burn out. You know, and it's also good to see that they kind of rose from the ashes as well, because in the beginning, you know, Cloverworks didn't necessarily have the best, you know, reputation, especially with the, you know, the talks of like Slow Start and um, and Darling in the Franks and all that. And I think they really turned themselves around like when Money Girl Senpai, Horimiya, um, Wonder Egg and Spy Family came out. So the, the 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 vibes are positive now. I think that you know we should be uh, happy to expect more stuff that comes up from Cloverworks. I mean, best believe they're going to be releasing at least two or three series every year. Um, so you're never going to be too far away from a Cloverworks production. Well, uh, before we uh, sign off, what in your opinion is the likelihood of a season three of Promise Neverland? You asked me, but now it's my turn to flip it on you. What do you think? 
I think it's uh, it's 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 hard. I mean, as much as I want to see it, you have to think about it logistically too, because of the fact that they've listed, you know, the the recent one as Promise Neverland season two, albeit with original material. Like, how are they going to then you know, revamp it and bring back uh, the original stuff, like from the manga, into an anime format? Like, would they just would they would they do like the the easiest thing and just say, this is Promise Neverland season three? You know, or like, are they going to have a different subtitle to it? Um, and I don't even think that's like the main issue. I think the main issue is just the fact that so many people have been burned by Promised Neverland and the direction that the studio took, whether it was the studio itself or if it was pressure from like a production committee. Um, the fact that they got the director to sign off on it, that should already tell you that the studio did all they could to produce something. And it was just, you know, being dealt a shitty hand. Um my hope is that there would be future seasons of Promised Neverland. My hopes, on the other hand, though, are quite low. I have to be like pretty upfront with that. I I, I don't see them doing, especially if like if it if, if it remains a property that's going to be produced by Cloverworks, then I do not think it will see the light of day. But if you know, like they've done with other studios, where they hand over a property to another studio, there's an entire like possibility that we could see um you know rising from the ashes promise neverland but until that does happen i think it will just be in production hell for forever i do think kind of uh the changing of the guards if it is a co-production i think that would be like a good easier sell to maybe a potential studio that wants to pick up the mantle i also agree that i mean think about it you have spike's family hot on the heels you could argue that Horimiya, there's only so much more adaptations that can be done. Although I don't know the success of Horimiya pieces over Horimiya, the parent series. But you also have the Elusive Samurai Windbreaker that is pretty hype in terms of the manga. Then you have Black Butler Season 4. Technically, you have Shadow's House and uh, My Dress Up Darling as well kind of in your yeah, back those, pocket those things are still ongoing right yep. like neither of the manga series are done like black butler is still like going strong too so it's it's really hard to see them picking up the the the, the, the cracks again for for promised neverland like i wouldn't even say like a co-production simply because they're already doing that with spy family and i think that the resources are limited right there's only so many hands they can get on drawing stuff and unless it's like they unless they're able to just bring in like a fully outsourced team to work on it. I think the best thing that they can do with TPN with promise Neverland is just give it up to someone else to do it. And even then it carries inherently like a pretty massive risk too, because people from the outside have already seen the vitriol that the fans have shown for the current state of the series you know, and not even talking about the manga series, that I don't know if any studio or even another production committee will want to take on that risk. So, in other words, Will I does not dream of a ne- Promised Neverland season three. I, I do not dream of a Promised Neverland. But, hey, yeah, keep, we can keep always be proven what, wrong. What else you got? Oh, I was just going to say we can always be proven wrong. Sorry, I was yeah. I was like shrugging my shoulders. My bad, if, you couldn't if, see if it. If it does, if if I do get proven wrong, then great. You know, like I, I I would love to see somebody take on this this mammoth responsibility of revitalizing the Promised Neverland series. 
I know it's not going to happen for me, but I really want a Wonder Egg priority, like, remake of sorts or like a re like a continuation that that one is even more i know unlikely to happen i know i think like like what we you've you've that you just gotta you know eat that shitty cake that you got right you got the cake eat it too i'll wonder about it some more yeah i mean they definitely had to you know crack some eggs to make that fucking cake unfortunately that would turn out to be a really really terrible finale I think we have to reiterate one more time. Do not watch the Wonder Egg final, Wonder Egg priority finale. Just watch the regular series. Now I'm thinking about. It, I'm so sad that 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 it, it, it ended it that been way. So much more. It could have been. It really could have been so much more because there was so much intrigue and mystique and unknown bullshit that was happening in the original series that it deserves a good ending. But you know that that never happens in the real world because. It's not a good business decision. There's absolutely no money to be made in trying to bring back Water Egg Priority. Oh, well. I guess that wraps up episode 66. Will, any parting thoughts? Any last words? Wow. Again, you already asked for my final words before. I don't have any more final, final words other than go watch some Cloverwork stuff. Peace. Peace.